Welcome to the latest episode of On The Case, this time looking at the latest decision in the protracted litigation that is Ludgate House Limited versus Ricketts Valuation Officer and London Borough of Southwark, a dispute over the use of property guardians as an empty rates mitigation measure. Regular listeners with excellent memories may recall that in December 2020, I discussed the Court of Appeal decision in this case with Roger Cohen, Senior Counsel at Brian Cave Leighton Paisner LLP. Now, the matter has returned to the Upper Tribunal Lands Chamber for a further ruling, and I'm delighted that Roger has joined me once again to offer an update. Welcome, Roger. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So for anyone who missed our previous podcast or perhaps is a little bit fuzzy on the details more than two years on, could you just briefly sum up the story so far for us and where things stood uh, after the appeal court decision? By way of preamble, Jess, let me give you two dates. So the first is the 1st of April 2010, on which the rating list, which is the list relevant to this case, came into force. The second date is the 1st of April 2017, when the next rating list came into force. If in the course of my comments, I give you a date which is after the 1st of April 2017, then you should get really excited with a sense of anticipation. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to look out for that. Okay, please do. So the story is really simplicity itself. Uh, we're concerned with an office block. In 2015, this office block, which comprised about 174,000 square feet, became vacant. At the time, the office block was in the rating list. There were two assessments. One assessment was for the whole of the building, apart from a part of the second floor. And the other assessment covered that part of the second floor. So two assessments, um, a member what they comprised. So the building becomes empty, and on the 1st of July 2015, the first four of a contingent of property guardians move into the property. The reason why the guardians move into the property is that the owner is advised that having people in the property residing there can lead to the property being assessed not for expensive business rates, but for the much lower level council tax. Guardians are also useful because they can challenge squatters uh, if uh, squatters manifest themselves in the building. But primarily they're there in order to try and convert an empty property rates liability into a lower level of council tax liability. Now, to get an idea of what it's like being a guardian, uh, there was some evidence before the tribunal uh, and the court. Um, One of the witnesses was a paediatric nurse. She described living there with her husband. Out of two of the office rooms in what had been the office building, um, they had fashioned uh, two living rooms, one of which was used as the day room, one of which was their bedroom. They enjoyed shared facilities for cooking, bathing and so on. And there was a bit of a social life which the guardians enjoyed with film nights and gym uh, and, uh, and, and other social activities. So that's the guardians in position. But what about the rating? So uh, in the latter part of 2015, Ludgate House, who are the owners and therefore liable for the empty property rates, proposed that the two assessments in the list should be deleted because the premises are now residential. Mm -hmm. In response to that, 
the valuation officer deleted both of those entries. And um, the valuation officer did so because uh, the argument was accepted that this was now uh, residential and therefore liable to council tax. What then happened was that the billing authority, the London Borough of Southwark, got involved and they started making inquiries as to what was going on. And the upshot was that the borough, um, the, the people who after all receive and collect the, the rates, uh, and the valuation office agency took a change of tack. So the valuation officer, having deleted the two entries, in 2017, in fact, in May 2017, um, reassessed the premises and put in a new rating entry, which was in respect of the whole of the building except the first and second floors. And the rateable value was £3.39 million, so subject to any reliefs that might be available, we're looking at rates payable of about £1.6 million per annum. So that's 2017, but that's very exciting because it's after the new rating list has come into force. Mm -hmm. And so what then emerged was an issue as to when that uh, listing took effect. But mm -hmm. before I go there, Let's just remind ourselves where the Court of Appeal took us to. The Court of Appeal said this is a rate, this building is a rateable unit. Uh, it's not council tax. It's liable to pay rates. Mm -hmm. That was the conclusion that the Court of Appeal came to. And that then gave rise to some further questions. So uh, you, you've intimated a little bit of, of what the nature of the dispute uh, that, that then passed on to the Upper Tribunal Lands Chamber was. So if you can sort of flesh that out a little bit and, and tell us what what was uh, what the Upper Tribunal was required to decide in the case. OK, so, um, Jess, um, we know that in May 2017, the valuation officer assessed the building Ludgate House, except for the first and second floors. That's a rateable unit of occupation which had not previously been in the rating list. So three questions. The first question was, how do you go about valuing office premises where there are guardians in occupation, but most of the premises are empty offices? It's what we call in rating a composite hereditament because it's not wholly domestic and it's not wholly residential. So what's the valuation approach? The next question is, having worked out what the approach should be, what were the numbers, what were the values that uh, would be returned uh, in this case? Now, in fact, for procedural reasons, um, 3.39 million being a figure that had emanated from the valuation officer, uh, the tribunal's answer on the figures could not be greater than 3.39 million, but they did in fact spend a passage of the judgment looking at various factual scenarios um, and showing their workings. Some of the figures came out higher than 3.39, but that didn't matter in terms of the result because the, mm. the result could not be higher than that. And the third question was, um, thinking about this listing in 2017, from what date did it take effect? As to which there were two choices. One choice was the 1st of July 2015, which is the date when the Guardians first went in. The other choice was May 2017, 
which is the date upon which the valuation officer made that crucial alteration um, to the one unit of assessment um, uh, which um, we, we, we've mentioned. Now, here's the thing. The rating list that was current for our purposes came to an end uh, on the uh, 1st of April 2017, and yet the change was made after that date. So the valuation officer was saying on the beginning of the regulations which cover this area, you backdate to the date when the Guardians first went in, 1st of July 2015. And Ludgate House said you can't do that because there is a specific regulation which says you can only backdate the increase in a hereditament to the date that the change in the value of the hereditament was made, which in our case was May 2017. But by then the list was closed. So it's all too late and of no effect. So those are the questions that the upper tribunal had to grapple with in the decision they just released. Yes, uh, and it, it came out last week, and I gather it's it's, it's a relatively uh, dense decision, and and they cover a, a lot of ground that that might be of particular appeal to to rating specialists um, like yourself. But uh, if I could ask you to sort of really sort of uh, hone in on on the major points, what what did uh, the upper tribunal find uh, in respect to those three issues you mentioned? So, in overview, uh, they said the following: How do you value? composite building like this? The answer is you do a commercial rental valuation of the office space and you do that saying that the use of the building is used as offices with temporary accommodation for guardians and acknowledging that in the short term there is a possibility of moving more guardians into the building. And um, that's the approach that you take as a matter of valuation principle. So what do the numbers look like? Well, the tribunal in a highly granular um, section of their decision went through the various factual scenarios that might occur, and they returned figures of um, less than the rateable value that was in the list, all the way up to figures beginning with a four. Um, but as I mentioned, um, it was going to stick at 3.39 because it couldn't go higher than that. People who want to see the detail of these valuations are best referred to the judgment. And then the third question was the effective date. And um, uh, to cut to the chase, what the tribunal said was that the effective date for this new entry in the list, 3.39, was that it went back to the 1st of July 2015 when the first Guardian showed up rather than the date in 2017 when the alteration was made and which would have been of no effect because it was too late. So mm. it was something of an evaluation officer win. OK, uh, so uh, a blow to the landlord, uh, I imagine. A, a, a blow a blow to the landlords and the owners of the building. And um, uh, let's dig down a little further to understand the extent of the blow. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the, the this this piece around the effective date um, turns on quite a technical piece of 
um, interpretation. Um, the problem is that when the valuation officer put in that new list entry in 2017, it was in respect of the whole of the building, except for the first and second floors. That package of property, if you like, had never previously been in the rating list. Mm. And so based on an earlier case called uh, Lamb and Shirley against Bliss, the upper tribunal in this case said there hasn't been any increase in the value of a hereditament. This hereditament, this rateable unit hasn't been in the list before. When it appeared in 2017, it was a new rateable unit on the block. Uh, there was therefore nothing to compare it with. And what you don't do, and this is what Lamb and uh, Shirley tells us, what you don't do is just tally up the rateable values for the property. You actually have to compare rateable unit by rateable unit, hereditament by hereditament. And you couldn't do that here because this particular rateable unit, the whole minus the first and second, hadn't appeared before 2017. Mm. And so possibly strangely to the uh, the, uh, the non-specialist, because this was brand spanking new, there was no relevant increase and therefore you could backdate. Doesn't mean to say that the rate pair um, tried some pretty clever arguments to try and get around <laughs> of the Lamb and Shirley case. Okay, so that, that's um, that, it, it, it's a fascinating um, analysis of, of, of this decision. But just to, to circle back a little bit to the overall topic of property guardians, which which is something we've we've talked about before, and we've 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 spoken, Roger, several times about um, empty rates mitigation measures. Uh, and schemes to avoid uh, what uh, you uh, so memorably describe as a tax on failure. Uh, yeah, well, uh, thank thank you very much, and, and I stand by that description of empty property rate. Um, so there is a menu of things that the owner of an empty building can consider. Hmm. Um, some things are definitely off the menu, so highly aggressive schemes built around the impending insolvency of a single purpose vehicle company. Um, they've been scuppered by the Supreme Court, although the, the, the rating purists will be engaged to see that in this case, the uh, ratepayer tried to use the outcome of that case to its advantage. It didn't work, but I give them full marks for trying. Um, <laughs> other options um, include the use of short term tenancies. Um, so, for example, six weeks of storage, um, followed by um, uh, uh, three months of, of, of holiday, um, or stripping out demolition, um, at charitable short-term lets. So th these, these are other tools which are available. Um, I think they've all got advantages and disadvantages, mm. but um, it's been a while since property guardians have been top of the pops and yeah. this case is not is not going to help get them back there yeah i, I imagine you know that the property guardians will remain uh, a viable option for security and for other advantages that you you discussed earlier on but not not as a as a means of uh, of mitigating you know, your empty rates payments 
I think I think that's absolutely right. And if you're if you if you're concerned about about squatters, then having a physical presence in the building um, is, is is essential. In, in this particular case, the evidence was that there were property guardians and there were also security guards. Oh. So, you know, whether uh, whether, whether uh, 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 a nurse and uh, a spouse who uh, just want to have a quiet life together, rather unless it's a film night, might not be quite so keen on confronting intruders <clears throat> or the security guards. Um, but um, the, the things which are more likely than not to work at the moment um, are those where you're using something physical, so some storage, um, mm. a letting, or indeed um, getting to the point where you can strip out and begin to demolish um, in the course of a scheme of refurbishment. Um, so it's it's really looking for um, solutions which are as real as is possible, uh, which is uh, what, what ratepayers ought to be looking for. Mm. Quite a, a, a drastic option, uh, unless you have sort of very firm plans, though, and that that that, uh, that solution. Um, returning just to the, the the outcome for the parties in in this case, obviously, you know, we, we've we've talked about it in the Court of Appeal, we've talked about it in the Upper Tribunal. It's it's been going now for a few years. Did, do you think this is likely to be the end of the road for this case, or, or can you see any any possibility for a further appeal on on the precise um, issues that the the upper tribunal have given dis- their decision on? Well, there's there, there there may be a possibility, and there's also a twist. Um, the <laughs> um, the as as I've already indicated to your very patient listeners, uh, <laughs> the question of effective date comes with some uh, legal technicality mm. uh, and and for dedicated readers there's more if you go to the decision and look at the section on uh, the correction of state error and the human rights act so there is a legal issue in there which the court of appeal might be interested in hearing um, obviously the parties um, in this case will take advice uh, from their uh, own advisors as to what they want to do. Um, but the twist is that towards the end of the judgment, there's an indication that there are some judicial review proceedings afoot concerning the true meaning of the regulation, which in this case was interpreted as saying we backdate to the 1st of July 2015. Mm. Now, at the moment, I don't have any more information uh, on that judicial review and uh, what grounds it might be brought on and indeed what the challenge is. Mm. Uh, but there'll be a lot of interested people out there um, who will be uh, looking out for this uh, in the uh, weeks and months ahead. OK, so maybe maybe we will uh, speak of this case uh, one more time. So thank you, Roger, and please do keep us posted on the judicial review front uh, to see whether... Uh, Ludgate House rears its head once again uh, for a future episode. Certainly will do. Jess, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for, for summing up the case uh, so expertly once again. Uh, to those of you at home, you have been listening to On the Case from EG.